And we're back. And you are listening to Villain Cast, BJJ Antiheroes, with myself, Chris the Villain Pains, and Naki El Jefe Arshed. And welcome to Reap the Week. But first, a quick thank you to our members at In Theory BJJ Concept Driven Jiu Jitsu for fight commentary, technique, and concept videos, private coaching, monthly webinars, and QA sessions please visit www.patreon.com slash intheorybjj. Uh, good evening, Naki. Sorry there's lack of video. There has been technical issues on my part. Hello, hello. Yes. How Hi. are you? That's, it's eerie because I can't see you. And I'm like, is he there? <laughs> is yeah, he gone? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was bobbing my head when you were doing the www.intheorybjj. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I even, I even like saw my screen. I was like, he's probably bobbing his head right now, <laughs> just to fuck with me. Um, <laughs> oh, so, um, unfortunately, knack. Just like I'm cracking knuckles and get ready because uh, the the mailbag is full again. Let's go, bring it on. The mailbag's full. Uh, how are you anyway? How's your week been? You are looking good. slim, sir. I'm close to you right now, but um, yeah, you I'm are getting you... down, man. Getting down in weight. I've, I've cracked the code, so I'm getting down. Cocaine? Okay. <laughs> cocaine? Is that the way you do it? I've tried everything else, but I've heard no, cocaine no, can help you lose no, weight. No. Get cocaine skinny. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> Just uh, like I'm sorting my routine out with the diet and the training and stuff, and I kind of like wake myself out now how to how it works for me and my body and my lifestyle. So, yeah, that's why I want to compete a lot this year because I kind of cracked it on the back end of last year. Nice, nice. I was gonna say, I, I yeah, I mean, you came to me at what 120, 130 kilo, and now you're at 85. Yeah. yeah, man, looking tiny, tiny. <laughs> Oh my lord! Anyway, stop flirting. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, first question, and it took some deciphering to get this one figured out. Um, best way to get to standing from being flat on your back when your opponent is pressuring forwards. Um, best way. Well, you've got to use your frames, haven't you? Uh, it depends what level you're at as well like you can be whether you're fully on your back whether you're half on your back you know you can use your elbow but you've got to use the uh well you call it kindle guard but elbow frame or whatever you want to call it you've got to use them extended frames and elbow frames to uh bring them onto you and then you've got to create that motion because when people get good at understanding that you're constantly trying to get up they're going to put a lot of pauses in to mess around with uh, how they're going to mess with your timing and their balance um so You've got to be ready to use the guard, uh, use that actual frame, Kindle guard, if you want to call it, uh, the arm drags, the guillotines, all the different reactions from there, and constantly try and get up and even go for uh, leg lock entries so you can start sweeping them. And that'll give you space to create scrambles. And uh, it's it's a challenge sometimes, but I think it's the strategy going forward because people on top are getting better and better day by day. So hard to sweep. Yeah, I uh, essentially, I was going to, boil it down a bit further and say hand fighting like if you're losing yeah. the hand fight and they are uh past your elbows and past your knees then unfortunately you kind of shit out of luck at that point um yeah you yeah, messed up a long time ago <laughs> exactly exactly i'd say you have to be 
You have to be on the hand fight. You have to be flanking the elbows or controlling the center line, framing if you're on the center line. Um, and if someone's beating you on the hand fight as well, such as they're controlling the center line or they're flanking you uh, and they're getting past your knees, um, at that point, uh, there's a lot more to work on than just trying to get upright. It's, we can dial it back a bit further and work on that fundamental instead. I think if you're winning the hand fight, um, getting up should be a lot easier. It's yeah. when you've lost the hand fight and lost the guard fight. It's it's going to be it's going to be hard definitely. hard as hell. Um, yeah, I'd say hand fighting, hand fighting. I think I need to do more vi- videos than that. I did a really good uh, private today. And there's been times when I'm doing privates and I say something, I'm like, oh, damn, oh, I need to record that. I need to turn it into a video. And I never do. <laughs> I keep forgetting what I've talked about. But today I was like, just give me a second. And I made a voice note. So I'm like, right, that's going to be a video next time I get opportunity. Uh, so hand fighting videos coming about guard. So that'd be on in theory. Oh, well. Uh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, oh, dude, it's the big, it's a big bag today. <laughs> mm. <laughs> don't say it like that um <laughs> thoughts on having two totally opposing gi and no gi games um i i mean we do i have weirdly yeah. we do but i would yeah. say they're opposing games i actually say you, i don't necessarily have a singular game in either but i'll i'll, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you go first i i <clears throat> like for me the only thing that really changes is uh, the guard uh, and the grips. Other than that, my game, uh, my, my, uh, what should I say? My ethos right now is to get up if I'm on the bottom. And if I'm, I'm on the top, I'm just cooking. And uh, my submissions, again, I won't go for them. Try to, I'm trying to stay disciplined at the moment. Uh, but no, the game doesn't change. I think it's more the grips and the guard for me. And I think... For me, that works because I don't have to spend bloody learning t- a game for both. But uh, and it's easily transferable. I think the way we train to do both gi and no gi, um, because we don't play like specific stuff in that kind of way. Um, so you, we play. Uh, we've got an ethos, haven't we? That we got now. So I guess if it's up to you, then I don't know, if, if you can make it work, make it work. But I don't think I think I'd be wasting my time, in my opinion. I think you really, it's uh, a case of not having necessarily a gi or no gi game, or even necessarily having a uh, no set uh, a set no gi game in general or a set gi game in general. I think, and this is a, I think a problem that I've I've talked about before is that I prefer to look at a holistic understanding of grappling. Like the rules of physics and physiology don't change. The only thing that changes are the amount of clothing you have on. But physics remains the same. But also, who you're fighting, like how I fight someone who is smaller and and more nimble, is going to be different to fighting someone who's bigger and heavier or stronger. Um, same with, like I've said before, like you know, trying to heel hook someone with really thin legs is a lot harder for me because I find it hard to latch on because I'm quite tall. But fight trying to latch onto your legs quite a bit easier because you've got tree trunks. Um, and so I wouldn't necessarily say it's a Thank I have a, a singular game. Um <laughs> but I I I adapt the game to the person I'm fighting. It's the right yeah. tools for the right jobs. Like when people say, Oh, my legs are too short to do triangles against giant people, 
Well, don't do it then. Like, simple as that. Like, right tool, right job. Don't choose wrong tool, wrong job. Because then that's when you have problems. And yeah. That's why like, I'm, a, I'm a triangle guy, but I can't do it against big people. Well, yeah, but that's because they're bigger. Like, <laughs> figure out a game that suits that body type then. Um, so I would say, like, I have a um, singular game in general. I just try and apply physics and concepts and physiology to people. Yeah, agreed. Um, That's really do think about it. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't separate it out. Um, whew, okay, who is the best looking in the gym, and why is it Steve? I'm get. I think Steve sent this. <laughs> if it's not, Steve, we've only got one Steve. We've only got one Steve in the gym. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Valentine's Day thing, obviously. It's, if it wasn't Steve, they're trying to hook up. With him. <laughs> oh, Langford, if it's not you, mate, then you need to find out who this is. Sending cryptic, cryptic messages on the podcast. I know, I know. Maybe he was. Maybe, maybe if it wasn't him, I know, I know who it was. It was him. But if it wasn't him, then he could easily ask me <laughs> and say who was it. Like, maybe it's like a new dating service that people like. Sending like lonely hearts letters to us, hooking <laughs> <laughs> people up. Yeah, you just start the agency, Chris. <laughs> Could you imagine? Like, I have to do that. Like, anyone listening to this and wants to send in like, I know Valentine's Day was to well, when recording this today, um, but maybe for next week, if you have any <laughs> chat lines you want us to read out that are BJJ related to like. <laughs> like lonely hearts send them in i'm sure i could murder the uh the pronunciation and the romance out of it completely <laughs> um all right well <laughs> going off on that weird one um is ecological training just marketing it's a legit way to train but seems the, the same as progressive resistance open map that is the uh, question state- statement we had. Um, whew, okay. Whew. <laughs> right. I, I, uh, are you going to start or do you want me to start? No, 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 no. You sh- you absolutely, you lean in. Lean in now. So, so, personally, I don't really care. You know what I mean? We're getting putting too many labels on too many things at the moment. As it's not against anybody because, remember, we had that little explanation on Discord. Like, uh, I mean... I'm cool with it, but I'm like, I don't care what ecological is or isn't. We're just trying to find the best way to learn and teach people. You know what I mean? Um, So if that's one modern approach that people are using, then yeah, fair enough, use it. But it's not the be all and end all because it's trendy at the moment. You know what I mean? Um, Not in a bad way. It's good. You can teach and learn with it, but there's other methods, man. And I think... You can't. Every person is different. You can't teach the same. You can't teach the same way with to everyone. I'll give you one prime example. I think I've probably given it before. Like a, a lad uh, who's been having privacy off me for about three, three and a half years now. Four years, nearly coming up to probably. Um, he's got like all. He's, he's he's got other. He's got issues with him. You know what I mean? Like he, he he's got learning problems, and he's got like he's not. You can't. I had to find different ways to teach him because I just couldn't get the message through to him. Um, I tried uh, all the different methods that we use, but what always stuck with him and works for him is when we do uh, technique. Technique sticks with him. He will remember a technique. But if I try to give him a um, a goal and say to him, find a way there, it's it's hard for him. You know what I mean? He just he, he can't figure it out. Uh, but then you've got people like right now, we've got our beginners in the class. I think most of them, 
understand uh, when we teach. But again, there's some of them who then ask specific questions because they don't understand or they want to know a technical way of doing it. So I think it's just you've got to be flexible. You've got to be flexible enough and open-minded enough to uh, be a good teacher or a coach or whatever label you want to put on it uh, to teach the most effective method to the individual in front of you or group of individuals, I think. Yeah, I mean, I remember uh, you know one of my favorite quotes that I think I've, I've said on air and I've said to you numerous times is the idea that a coach is someone who gets someone where they want to be when they cannot get there themselves. And so as a coach, uh, yeah, ecological works. Um, it's uh, a type of training that's used in various sports and, and other fields. Um, and I think essentially it's codifying, as in it's it's what's been researched and it codifies a, a, a certain way. But I think if you're a coach that cares about people, you do come across this style of training anyway. Like, you know, they said here, it seems the same as progressive resistance open mat. Yeah, kind of. Um, I wouldn't argue with that. I know Lachlan Giles said they pretty much the exact same thing on the podcast we did six months ago. Um, yeah. And I think it's it's codifying it. So there's a, a literature you can read to understand it better. Um, but like you said, I mean, I had a conversation with uh, a gent a couple of days ago, um, and it was regarding a student that they have. They're very much trying to stick to the ecological approach, but it's just not getting through to this person. They, Like you said, they very much need technique. And if you just have that straight rigidity of, I'm just going to do ecological, like this is the best way. I say it might not be for everyone, Um and it's it's up to the coach to find the right tools for the right job for the right people to get them where yeah. they want to be, um, and it also kind of uh, it opened up the the follow up question of this person because they they do stripes in the gym and this is going to go into something else entirely they do stripes in the gym and they do you know belts obviously, um, and actually I'll keep that for later but yeah it became this, this huge issue <laughs> but I'll, I'll I'll lean to that question actually now. Um, so just answer that one. I don't think eco is just marketing. I think it's a marketable term, um, but it's very much uh, just a codified way of a, a certain thing if people want the literature as a, as a coaching style, but it needs to be a tool in the toolbox because um, not everyone learns the same way. But in a group, it yep. definitely does help. Um, yeah, definitely. So the question I want to lead into on that, and we're going to kind of go off on a bit of a tangent here, is should there mm-hmm. be BJJ grades given to people who don't train in the gi? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Why? because of the, because if they want to compete, um, especially in the IBJ, well, the closest rule set to what we do is the ADCC or the IBJJF rule set. Um, I think... It's a weird one, this is, but I, I'm all for it. I only, I don't know why, but I'm all for it. I think it's one of them where, why not? What changes it other than the grip? Like, it's still jujitsu or submission grappling or whatever you want to call it. it I think it separates, um, you kind of, like, it's, it, would you, it's like if you did have belts and you went to competitions and, you know, what you're, if, if you like, I don't know, you got, would did you think if there were no grades, people would just be able to roll or have a fight with someone who's got loads of experience and someone who hasn't? 
Well, no, as in, I remember, you know, up up in the north, before we had lots of gi competitions, you know, I predominantly mm. went to no gi up here. It was based on t- experience, as in time served. Have you been here, if you've been mm. here zero to one year, one to three years, three to six years, or six years plus or something, um, which kind of like is rough belt levels, but then you can't have people who are held back or anything like that. It's like, how many years you been in? Okay, that's enough. Um <laughs> And yeah, but that, it's like when you when you sign up for competitions, like you love they have the belt and then they have the experience next to you as well. But sometimes it's not necessarily if you've done I don't know, uh, you could be doing it don't have done it for four or five years, but you're not a blue belt, you're still a white belt. But next to f- three to five years or two to four years, you'll have like a blue belt, a blue belt grading. You know what I mean? Uh, when you sign sign up these competitions, so I think I don't know. It's it's a grey area at the moment. They need to find a way where. Just have a what we need a universal rule set, don't we? What do you think? Because uh, IBJJ one is fucking. I'm not going to swear <laughs> on here, so yeah. <laughs> Too late. We'll, we'll what happened on the weekend? Um, <laughs> I personally, like, well, if you just take away the belt colours, it's ever been yeah. like one to three years slash blue belt. I just say mm. just go to one to three years or something. Like how long you've been in for, and then mm. I know some people go like, oh, I had like six months here, or, or like you know, I had six months off. Just be honest with yourself. Like, if you think that you've done approximately one to three years, yeah, go for it. But if you think you've done total one year over three years, go for less than one year. Um, but that's another problem. Then people, humans, have a tendency not to be honest. But at least with the belt system, there's a high, there's a, someone who's deemed them uh, good enough to promote them. Obviously, if they stop training, then at least they still hold the rank, and then whether they train again or not, they'll give them the motivation to train again in a few years. You know what I mean? Like, it's, I don't know, man. I'm for it. I just think it's its not bad. Like, it's ha- its been happening and I don't think you see why, why just because you don't do the, the gi, why you shouldn't be able to be graded in no gi. I, I don't know. Because um, we compete with the rule set. It's a jiu-jitsu rule set we compete against in, don't we, if we're not doing the ADCC rule set. So, I don't know. It's one of them. Each of their own. Well, I think this goes into the uh, what I went through in this phone conversation was this uh, uh it's a especially I think when belts are involved and especially stripes I mean you can look at it from the point of view that it rewards people for their progress lets them know they're being noticed etc cetera, etc cetera, but also then creates that hierarchy again in the gym that you have people who you know can get that arse in their hands a little bit like oh he got a stripe today and I didn't get a stripe and I hear that so goddamn much and I'm like yeah, stripes, yeah. But same with belts. As in, say if you you're with a certain group of people and they got their belt and you don't, it's like, well, why don't I get my belt? And it's just like, is that what matters? Um, yeah, but see, just... this is another problem. Sorry, I'm going to butt in there. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's cool. It's this is another problem because this is, this is another problem in jujitsu where I don't understand why coaches or people who are promoting do not have a conversation with the person they're going to promote, like. If you don't want to, if you want to make it a surprise, fine, make it a surprise. But if you are thinking of promoting someone, you should kind of like be hinting to them. This is what you need to be working on. This is what you need to do. Blah blah blah. Give them a roadmap in the head. Like every person that I've promoted, and I know you've done it with me. You've always had this conversation with me, which I've carried on. So my guys know that okay, to get to the next level, this is what we need to do. The next six months, this is what we need to do. And you know, 
the ones who want to compete or who are competing, they kind of know how, how many competitions I think they they need to get to that level. You know what I mean? Like it's there has to be the conversation. I still hear that people are promoting people and they ain't got a clue that they're getting promoted. Like you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just me. But I think that's also a problem in jujitsu, which needs to be fixed or actually at least you know it's it's it, it's it's old school, ain't it? It's, it's, I think it's a traditional culture. I don't know. I don't know why people don't have a conversation with their students. Well, predominantly, I mean, as, as I said in this conversation, I think that a way of getting around that when you have, because I, I, I think there's a couple of ways of looking at it is that when you when you're quite well travelled and you've been with a lot of travelled and, and and trained against a lot of different people at a lot of different uh, ability levels and like ages, etc., you can kind of feel what's a blue belt and what's a purple belt. But at the same time, I look at it as you know, no one, no one in our gym wears a belt, and no one gives a shit. We don't line up in order. I think that is lunacy in itself. In that you create a hierarchy there. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we don't give a shit. Like you, you never wear your belt. I don't wear my belt. Um, and a lot of people who don't compete, I don't give them belts because it's like, well, you don't need it. You don't wear it in here, and yeah. you you need it if you're going to fight better people in competition. That's literally it. It's a way of fighting upper level in the gi. Other than that, doesn't really matter. Um, in the gym, it, it starts creating more issues than it's worth. Um, and I'm saying this from the perspective of being a black belt, you know, I've got all the way through. But at the same time, it's um, it does create more issues and it creates... and. I'm kind of glad that we don't have any of those conversations in the gym. It's just people, we just want to train. Like, I don't care what we're wearing. Even if we're in the gi, we don't wear a belt. It doesn't matter. <laughs> we're just going to wear a jacket and just fight with a jacket on today. Because um, then, like I said, you know, this, this, this conversation was that this person is getting annoyed because they're not getting their next belt and other people are getting it faster. It's like, does it fucking matter? Like, why are you in competition with these other people in the gym? Exactly. Um, just keep just training. Train. Just train with the, with your team. Enjoy it. And if you're competing, then that's a way of like, okay, well, you're doing well at white belt. Here's a blue belt. Fight some tough people. Yeah. Um, it's it will police itself much quicker this way instead of because then, like I say about this whole you know the whole belt thing is that I was even told previously, you know, hold people back uh, at certain levels. Um, so they can collect more belts. I'm like, uh, uh, collect, hold, hold people back at certain belts so they can collect more medals. I'm like, well, they can just try and make your gym look good. Why can't it just be a case of how long you've been trained for? An honest way. Because um, gyms, again, have their own reasons for holding people back when it comes to belts. Because you can have absolute savages at blue belt. And like, there's no way... This person should be a blue belt. They've been a blue belt for ages and they keep winning medals. Put them in purple belt. Give them a. It looks a, good for the gym in here because then they can just stack exactly. them up, stack them up, stack them up. You get me? The best ones are the ones like, oh yeah, all their medals full. <laughs> Somebody used to ask a question about, you know, when you got these guys who claim they're European or world masters for world champions or European champions and. They only have two people in the division. They get a silver medal. And it's like, yeah, I'm a European silver medalist. But they forget to they leave out the part where it's like Master 4 and there was only two people in the division. It's like, oh, my God. What are you doing, man? Exactly. It's 
we are all that stuff just makes things overly complicated just <laughs> fight and i think the experience level part is is better um i mean i remember when i was like before i, I got belts and stuff i was fighting at intermediate slash advanced and i think in my division i was a white belt um and i was competing against brown belts in the division mm. like people who've been training for like four four or five years and i was at just going on to four years and i was hanging with these brown belts at nogi and you think there's no yeah. way i should have been allowed then um under that kind of like oh you're a white belt go fight white belts well i am a white belt but i've been training consistently for four years i just don't have a coach um yeah. So what am I supposed to do? Uh, well, do I stick to honesty and just want to fight tougher people? Or do I stick to the rules and say, well, you're a white belt. You have to fight white belts. And to the point where you know, I, I was doing well, at, even before that, I was doing well at, at white belt competition uh, in the gi. Um, so I went to a, another competition. And I said, look, I've got a coach, but I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of winning at white belt. So do you mind if I wear, go to blue belt? And he went, well, you're not allowed in unless you're wearing a blue belt. I was like, fine, I'll just buy one. So I bought a blue belt so I could fight at a blue belt. Did you and self-promote, Chris? I did self-promote. I, go, I, stood there, <laughs> I stood there, my white belt on, took it off, put a blue belt on, fought, got off again, put my white belt back on. Does it even matter? Like reverse sandbagging. Just because it wasn't fair <laughs> if I was fighting in the gi against other white belts. Because I, I didn't see the point of me just going to collect more medals. I'd rather fight. I lost. At blue belt and no, i won one fight and lost one um but that's fine like cool i get more i get fight better people yeah um yeah it's i think the there's belts, blessing in ass kissing there's a bless there's a blessing in ass kicking you know there is <laughs> absolutely there is um and it's i'm glad that i stuck to the time schedule way of doing it instead of sticking to belts um, and that's it. I think at that point, you, because I say, if you don't, you could have people who don't train. I mean, that whole thing about the Luta Livre guy recently, who everyone got uh, up in the arms over, was essentially there was this kid who was given a blue belt in Luta Livre. Um, he was then uh, competing in the gi with his Luta Livre no gi belt on. And so, if anyone doesn't know, Luta Livre is a. Uh, it's big in Germany, and it was because it arrived first in Germany from Brazil. Essentially, it's the it's the Brazilian catch wrestling. It was what they fought with, you know, in the favelas and stuff. It was kind of the the antagonist to the jiu-jitsu schools. Um, and so, this kid got his his B, his luta livre blue belt. Was fighting in the gi in his luta livre blue belt, and was doing all right. Was winning. He's a tough kid. And then because of the IBJJF and him not being part of a jiu-jitsu, a, a recognized IBJJF school, um, this kid then had to sign up to a Gracie Baja, which is IBJJF recognized. They say, oh, no, you're a, a white belt in the gi. He's like, fine. Goes to Europeans in his white belt, wins at white belt, and everyone goes up in arms. So what the hell? This kid's got a blue belt. Well, no, he hasn't in BJJ. He's got it in Luta Livre. <laughs> so you've got a kid here who's been given a no-gi belt, has been wearing it in the gi, doing all right, 
But then because of the IBJJF saying, well, we don't recognize your belt, he goes, fine, I'll wear a white belt then. And kicks ass, mm-hmm. and everyone goes, well, what the hell? Why are you... And it's kind of it's such a... Because then people are saying, well, you shouldn't have been fighting uh, in the gi. Uh, there's other competitions with a blue belt on. It's like, well, no, we should have. Because if he was, if he was winning at blue belt with the gi on, he was definitely going to do it with a white belt on. Because like, then you'd have someone who's fighting in the nogi divisions that day with his blue belt on, then going and putting the white belt on and killing people at, in the gi. It's such a... Mm-hmm. It's such a fucked up thing. Like again, you'd, you'd annihilate that entire problem by just saying, "How long you been training for?" Yeah, but three years. Cool, go in the three year division. <laughs> like you wouldn't have that huge balancing act. That um, I don't think it's ever going to fix, is it? Though no, I think it's one of them things which is instilled into it now. Yeah, it's it's part of the culture, and it's it's not going to go away. Um, no, no, it's a it's a problematic one. Uh, <sighs> um, right, next mm. question. Um, tips to pass guard like Gordon versus Patrick. Oh, ooh, he. <laughs> we notice he keeps his posture straight, and we notice how he just pressures and holds positions and cooks people and then passes. Him and Marigali are smashing at the moment. Their style is. Like their style. There's a reason Gordon Ryan doesn't play much anymore, you know, going for leg locks and stuff. Because um, this is now the meta, what these guys are doing. Uh, John Danaher and them. Uh, Marigali, um, Gordon Ryan. <clears throat> yeah, so their style at the moment is just unstoppable. And it's all to do with posture and making life hard for the bottom guy, as it should be, because theoretically speaking, the top guy should always win. No, completely. Um, if I, I was, be, I've been, I, I want to do like a reappraisal video of that for the in theory. Um, his hand fighting in that is sublime. Uh, yeah, he beats him on the hand fight, and then just just cooks him with pressure. Once he beats him on the hand fight, just breaks his posture, goes through to a, the high mount, and just keeps on getting underhook, goes to high mount. Um, and then every time he goes back in guard, he just goes, right, I'll do it again. And just breaks him repeatedly. Um, exactly what Marigali does to people since last year, since he started in Nogi. Literally that every match is that like, bloody hell, man. That is the style you want. I think as a, as a general rule of thumb uh, of what to train, uh, hand fighting. Hand fighting all the goddamn time. Um, yeah. Every have, session. A, have a system for hand fighting because that is the thing that's going to dictate who gets to do their move. If you can't, and guard is in, is include this idea of hand fighting. If you can't get past someone's open guard, you don't get to play side control. If you can't get past someone's hand fighting while standing, you don't get to take them down and do your jujitsu. If you don't, if you can't uh, hand fight from either side of guard, you don't get to do your pass or you don't get to do your submission or sweep. So it's it's literally the thing that defines who gets to do their move first yeah. i mean you've always got reversals and stuff within moves but that initial contact that initial attack is based upon the hand fight and he just hand fought and broke his posture repeatedly until there's nothing left and he just got it armbar um and so i wouldn't say there's necessarily tips for passing guard but i'd say a, the systemized way of how to hand fight is crucial yeah. in all of this um and what to actually look for uh 
yeah, it's nothing to do with passing. To my knowledge, it's yeah. it's more the hand fight. If you win the hand fight, everything yeah. just gets a lot easier. If you can't, then that's when you're going to try and get desperate and try and force passes, and that's when you're going to get swept or submitted or worse. Um, if there is worse, uh, it's all in the hand fight, all in the hand fight. Yeah. Um, dealing with the Aoki or ankle lock, such as from half butterfly, etc. Thoughts on the Aoki and the ankle lock, dealing with it. And that's actually going to lead into the next question after that. They've got to elevate you first, isn't it? So again, it's just, oh, number one, are you there because you want to be there or are they keeping you there? If they're not keeping you there, why are you in half butterfly? Like, it's a dangerous card because they can elevate you easily. If they're doing a good job of keeping you there, then keep your posture high, you know, base out. Because they're going to need the elevation to get Aoki lock. If, 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 you did, if you can't get the elevation, then you're nothing's going to happen no IQ lock's going to happen so you got to keep the pressure on cook them and if if, if, they, if they're not keeping you there if they're not holding you down in half butterfly why are you there I think somebody asked me that today I did ask me a question on Instagram yesterday and answered it early on there um, if, you, if you're not if they're not keeping you there don't be there and if you to stop elevation just don't bring your hips forward same with Cav all um, I, I used a scenario recently is if, say, I was to break a bit of wood with a workbench, or cut a bit of wood with a workbench, I'm going to say break. I'm going to put a cut into the wood where I want to break it. I'm going to line that up with the edge of the bench, and then I'm going to clamp the wood into the bench. Like The better my clamping into the bench, the less play it's going to be in the wood, and the easier it's going to be to break it at that joint that I've cut into it. Um, if there's play in the in the clamp then it's going to be harder to break the wood i want it fully fastened against the workbench i want to really get a tight clamp on it how is that any different to wanting to destroy someone's leg for example is i want to clamp the upper part of of what i'm holding on to and then my hands are going to uh, apply leverage to the lower part and so the joint part gets stressed and that's where the the sprain happens the tear happens um and if there's play in the uh clamp in the workbench it's going to be harder to do and most people don't move they don't test the clamp test the clamp because most people aren't putting aren't focusing on the clamp they are rushing the clamping process not clamping it properly and then just putting pressure through the other end of the wood break the clamp undo the clamp like it'll fall off it's unattach it from the workbench. Um, open up the clamp. Uh, and the same with Aoki and uh, an ankle lock is just break the clamp. Just open the clamp up. Take the, the pressure off the clamp so the other part of the, the block of wood can move. Then if it can move, nothing's going to happen to it. Mm. Um, I think I need to do a demonstration of this. I did it on one of the video uh, drill uh, seminars in Switzerland a couple of weeks ago, but... Uh, it's on the site, but I'll, I'll do a singular video for that. Nice. Um, and I think that leads into how to drill staying connected to the shoulder for arm bars, etc. Thoughts? Staying connected to the arm bar, uh, to the shoulder. Um, same again, stay deep on the joint. Um, and again, you, the, the way you've got to wedge your legs is where if you're an attacker, like you say, you've got to have a clamp, which is... Uh, you could argue not 
it has to be a diverse clump because they're going to be trying to get out. So you can't, if you're just clumping and holding, chances are they might be able to power out of it. So you've got to be able to dynamically change your clump as well. And at the same time, which makes it harder for the defender because they've got to now deal with one clump and then you've changed it again, another clump. So again, it's the attachment of staying deep on the shoulder and making your wedges and how you staying around the shoulder as they trying to move around. Um, yeah, same same thing as what you just said with the clump thing. Open yeah. the grip, or if you're defending it, open the grip. If you're attacking, then you've got to be diverse in holding the grip or yeah. holding the clamp. It's creating that effective clamp, understanding how your body, your individual body, creates a... I mean, again, like it's it's understanding that we've all got different size legs, so we've all got different size clamps, and we're clamping different size bits of wood. So how we do it isn't the same. Um, but we need to clamp it nonetheless. Uh, and so I'd say work backwards as in test effective clamps, see what happens, see if people can get out, see if they can break the clamp, um, your version of a clamp versus that version of a person. Um, and then I think as a, as a, again, like a, a plan for effective jujitsu. So you've got the hand fight. Why do we hand fight? Cause we want to gain access to the spine. What do we do once we gained access to the spine? We break its posture. Um, we break its effectiveness to create power. Uh, once we've broken its effectiveness to create power, that allows us to then transition from controlling the spine to controlling a joint or the neck. Um, like trying to attack someone who's got good posture, like transitioning off their spine to a joint, you're more likely just to fall off or have it defended. If you fight someone who's had their posture and their strength broken, um, it's much easier to then clamp onto one of those joints. Um, yeah. And so I'd say figure out how your clamp wants to look, how it, work, how it works effectively, have people try and break the clamp um, in that minor kind of position. And then from those dominant major positions of controlling the spine, work your way back to those clamps and just get improving on those transitions when people are actually knowing how to break the clamp. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, that's a simple enough way of training it. Final question. Leg locks, bolos, and standing up. What's the next big phase for jiu-jitsu? Oh, next big phase. I think we're already in it. I think what's going to change is, or what's already changing is, uh, the way people train now, as you can see, like gyms like the B team. And even, I, I don't see much videos posted of how Dan and his boys are doing it, but I'm pretty sure they're doing a similar thing because it's just, uh, people are getting so much better at making it into a, jiu-jitsu is getting simplified every, uh, overall uh and it's becoming more about timing and speed i think it's turning more into a uh and i don't say it's a sport but it's turning more into a sport kind of sport like where it's it's that you know the average person who is training jiu-jitsu now will have to change the way they train if they want to be uh, serious competitors um i think that's the major major big change and you can see a lot of teams changing around the world and they've changed the way they train uh, so I think that's my opinion at the moment. I can't see anything else happening that I can see will be uh, so game-changing. I think a lot of those phases essentially come from gaps in the rule set. Um, as in, once the rule set opens up, uh, we then see more uh, work in those different areas. Like As soon as like 
people came out of majority um, IBJJF ruling and went into more submission only where they were allowing leg locks and like ADCC and stuff, people who understood legs flourished because that was a weakness in their understanding. Um, and then that then allowed, you know, over time people then caught up with it and that's then that phase ended because now everyone understands leg locks. You then had people, um, smarter people, more athletic, flexible people in the gi at the same time. That's when bolos and worm guards and inversions and all that kind of mad stuff came along. Um, and then people started to figure it out. And then you had standing up, which is, you know, again, in those uh, a lot of those rule sets where we kind of got sucked into the guard game. Um, we now made it like ADCC, like guard isn't as preferable after, you know, in in the in their uh point scoring so getting upright and staying upright became more important um and then you had you know those wrestlers who just go no i'm not going to the ground so it became a, a easily uh inflicted thing uh to do to people but i think the the bigger one there is how many people then go and adopt this i mean we've been to enough gyms that still don't play heel hooks yeah and scary i know and it's I think it's it's going to be gaps in like the the training knowledge. Like I said, I think now we're, we're definitely entering a more professional sports environment. Um, yeah, that's what I wanted to say. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's more professional, smart people are involved. More money's involved. More money is definitely involved, and that's going to attract smarter people who are then going to bring in uh, smarter ways of training. Um, I think that's that's more the case. So you're going to step maybe more away from the martial arts way of doing jujitsu into more sports space. I mean, the fact that we've got ecological style training and different ways of coaching now coming in instead of the very traditional style of martial arts training. Yeah. People are still going to do it, just like they still avoid leg locks and don't like standing up. But there are going to be gyms at the forefront. And yeah. that's what we're seeing right now, like you said. Um, money changes everything. Money, of course. money attracts smarter people. Smarter people then have better coaching methods. I mean, you think of wrestling at colleges and stuff like that. Some of those those coaches can be on very very high salaries. Same with you know, yeah, um, football, American football coaches at colleges. Same thing, and they're going to bring in better things because they want people to win. Um, you can't just have. I mean, there is no way on this planet that people like Craig Jones, etc., do shrimping down the mat. At all. No, no chance. Ever. So why the fuck are we doing it? Well, we don't, but you get my point. Well, we don't. Yeah, I was going to say we don't, but yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. It's it's a case of uh, we follow we follow good sports training now, and that's going to take us further. Um, yeah. I think that's going to be the next phase. But I think that's the end of our mailbag. <sighs> oh, my Lord. Um, I love the mailbag. Uh, I've only put it up for one day, and look what happened to it. Nice. Look what happened to our bag. Um, Good questions, as always. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, so there's going to be a route the week next week. Uh, we might try and get a second one recorded before I go away. Uh, but whilst I'm away, I'm going to be recording live podcasts and interviews with coaches in america and they'll be uploaded onto here so it's going to be mm. it's going to be hard not having you for a couple of weeks but 
Oh, and you're going to Amsterdam as well for yeah. a training camp. Yeah. Don't make a mess. <laughs> I'm going to try not to. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> thank you for your time, sir. It's always a pleasure. No it's always a pleasure on Reap the Week. Uh, I hope everyone enjoy- has enjoyed this. Please uh, send us your questions on Instagram. Uh, this has been Chris of Pains and Naki El Jefe Arshed. Good night, sir. Good night.